This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 60,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash transmission. Transmission, episode 99, May 30, 2010. You know, you're a real good number two. You're a great number one, Hugo. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we are back after some rest and a lot of thinking to take another look at the series finale, The End. To start things off, we'll try to recap what happened in the two and a half hour episode. Yeah, but you can forget that eight minute thing. Then we're going to spend some time sharing any new thoughts or second thoughts that we had since our initial reaction podcast from that crazy night. But the heart of this podcast will be you all, everybody. We'll share just a tiny fraction of the flood of reactions and comments that have come in during the week. Yeah, I mean, and we do mean flood. We got dozens of calls, several hundred emails, and over 1,200 comments on the blog. It was awesome. We'll go over the plan for the last two podcasts we've got planned in June, if you'll have us. Absolutely. And then we'll close with another musical tribute to Lost. This one's different, but a lot of fun. So you ready? Let's get lost. Well, it's always been a tradition here on The Transmission to recap the episode, but perhaps never before have we tried to tackle something quite as epic as the end. Still, we'll give it a shot. What happened? After a beautiful opening montage jumping between our losties and the flash sideways and on the island, we settle on Desmond accepting delivery of Christian Shepard's coffin from Oceanic Air Cargo. Kate is with him and asks what he wants. Desmond says that he wants to leave. She asks where he wants to go, and he says that he'll show her. Meanwhile, Hurley brings Saeed to the Flightline Motel and tells him to wait. Saeed asks what would happen if he doesn't, but Hurley says it's his choice. He'll be happy if he sticks around. Hurley then goes to get Charlie, saying, that the concert is the most important thing he'll ever do, but Charlie tells him to sod off, so Hurley shoots him with a tranquilizer. At the hospital, Sun and Jin get an ultrasound from Juliet. Both Sun and Jin see flashes of their time on the island and know that their baby is a little girl named Jian. They also know English again. <laughs> Sawyer comes in and he wants to protect Sun and Jin from the escaped Saeed, but they say that they'll be fine. And Juliet bumps into Jack and says that she can't wait to meet his sister. Jack is there to prepare Locke for his surgery. Locke asks about Jack's father, and Jack says that the airline did find his coffin. Locke says that he hoped that brings him peace, but Jack says that if he can fix Locke, that'll be all the peace he needs. As night falls, Hurley takes Saeed to a bar and tells him that he's a good guy, despite what other people might tell him. They see a fight break out in the street, and a woman screams. Saeed jumps out of the car and rescues her, and she is Shannon. He flashes, and they embrace. At the concert, Charlie is revived by Charlotte, who then meets Daniel. Eloise goes to Desmond and asks what's going to happen. He says they're leaving, but that he's not taking Daniel. When Dr. Chang introduces Daniel and drive shaft, Charlie spots Claire in the audience. Suddenly, Claire feels the contraction and runs off. Kate and Charlie follow, and then Kate helps to deliver Claire's baby. They both flash as Aaron is born. Then, when Charlie grabs Claire's hand, he finally flashes. Desmond arrives and sees that they all now understand, and they all ask him, 
Now what? At the hospital, Jack finishes operating on Locke. Locke wakes up and says it worked. He wiggles his toes and flashes on the island. He asks Jack if he remembers and asks Jack to come with him. Jack says that he has to go see his son, but Locke says that Jack doesn't have a son. Locke then tells Jack that he hopes someone does for Jack what Jack just did for him. In the hospital cafeteria, Sawyer is trying to buy an Apollo bar, but the vending machine gets stuck. Juliet finds him and tells him that the secret is to unplug the machine and plug it back in. He does, and she says it worked. They touch and they flash. He asks her out, and she says that they can go Dutch. She tells him to kiss her, and he says, you got it, Blondie. Jack gets to the museum after the concert, and Kate is waiting. She touches him, and he flashes. He asks what's happening to him, and she says that if he comes with her, he'll understand. We see Locke arrive at the church, and Ben is waiting, saying that almost everyone is inside. Ben apologizes to Locke, and Locke says he forgives him. Ben says he's not going in, as he has some things to work out. Locke gets out of his wheelchair and walks up the steps to the church. Finally, Jack and Kate arrive, and she tells him to go around back. She says she'll be waiting inside for when and he's ready to leave. Jack does go in and finds his dad's coffin, but when he opens it, it's empty. Suddenly, his dad appears. Jack says to Christian, you're dead, and asks how he's there. Christian asks Jack how he's there, and Jack realizes that he died too. Christian says that everything that ever happened to him is real, and that all the people in the church are real too. Jack asks if they're all dead, and Christian says, everyone dies sometime, kiddo. Some before you, some long after you. Jack asks where they are, and Christian says that they're in a place that they made together to find each other. He says that Jack needed them, and they all needed him, to remember and to to let go. They go into the church where everyone is waiting. Christian opens the door and everyone is bathed in a bright golden light. On the island, Jacob is gone and Jack tells Sawyer that they need to protect the light at the heart of the island from unlock, but he needs Desmond's help. Sawyer tells Jack, Kate, and Hurley to head toward the bamboo forest while he goes to get Desmond. But Sawyer is captured by Ben at the well. Sawyer asks Unlock if he's going down with the island. Unlock says that he's got a boat, but that all of Jacob's candidates will sink to the bottom of the ocean. Sawyer tells him that they're not candidates anymore. He takes Ben's gun and walks away. Ben tells Unlock that he didn't think he was really going to destroy the island, and Unlock says that Ben is welcome to sail away with him. He then looks down and says, I think there was a dog here. Vincent wakes Desmond up in Rose and Bernard's camp. Bernard goes off to get some food and Rose tells him that he'll have to leave as they broke the rule of not getting involved by taking him in. Bernard returns with Unlock and Ben and Unlock tells Desmond to come with him or he will kill Rose and Bernard. He promises Desmond that he won't hurt them and Desmond agrees. As Unlock, Ben and Desmond make their way toward the heart of the island, Ben contacts Miles over the walkie-talkie. Miles says he found Alpert. He's alive and finally aging. Miles and Alpert grab a canoe to finish their mission to blow up the plane, but they find Frank in the ocean. Frank says that they can stop the smoke monster by taking the plane themselves. Jack Sawyer Kate and Hurley finally meet Unlock, Ben, and Desmond. Kate tries to shoot Unlock, but he says to save her bullets. Unlock tells Jack that he was an obvious choice to replace Jacob. Jack tells Unlock that they're both going to the heart of the island, but that Unlock will not be able to destroy it. Instead, Jack says that he's going to kill him. As they reach the bamboo forest, Unlock says that only he, Jack, and Desmond should continue. Hurley tells Jack that he believes in him. They reach the glowing cave, and Jack ties a rope around Desmond's waist. Desmond says that nothing matters as he's going to go to a place where they can be with the ones they love. Jack says that 
there are no shortcuts or do-overs and that all of this matters. He and Unlock lower Desmond down a waterfall into an underground chamber where there's a glowing pool with a rock cork in the center. Desmond steps in, withstanding flashes and explosions, and pulls the cork. The light goes out, then turns red. The ground shakes. Unlock tells Jack that he was wrong and walks away. Jack tackles him and punches him, and when they notice that Unlock is bleeding, Jack says that he was wrong too. Unlock slams Jack with a rock and runs away. Meanwhile, the earth continues to shake and rocks and trees are falling. Ben saves Hurley from a falling tree. He tells them that they need to get to the plane and that Unlock has a boat. On Hydra Island, Frank, Miles, and Alpert are trying to fix the plane. Miles radios Ben and says that they're leaving. Frank sends Miles down below with some duct tape. Meanwhile, Jack catches up to Unlock on a cliffside and they run at each other for one final battle. They fight and Jack starts to choke Unlock, but Unlock stabs Jack with his dagger. Just before Unlock kills Jack, he's shot by Kate. As he lay dying, though, the cliffs begin to collapse into the sea, and he tells Jack that he's still too late. Jack kicks Unlock over the cliff. Sawyer, Hurley, and Ben arrive, and Jack tells them to take the boat and catch the plane. But he says that whatever Desmond turned off, he needs to turn back on. Ben says he's staying on the island, and Hurley says that he's staying with Jack. Jack tells Kate to go and to get Claire on the plane. Jack and Kate kiss, and then Kate and Sawyer leap into the ocean. Jack, Hurley, and Ben return to the cave, and Jack says that he's going down alone. Hurley says that Jack is not supposed to die as the island needs him. But Jack says that the island needs Hurley to take care of the island and that he believes in him. So Hurley agrees to take over temporarily, and Jack gives him some water and says, Now you're like me. Hurley and Ben lower Jack down into the waterfall, and Jack tells Desmond when he finds him that he will put the cork back. He also says, See you in another life, brother. Meanwhile, Kate finds Claire and tells her to come with them. Claire says that she's not ready to be a mother, but Kate says that she's not alone and that she'll help her. They run to the runway and catch Frank just before he takes off. Kate, Claire, and Sawyer get on the plane with Frank, Miles, and Richard, and they take off into the sky. And as we hit our eight minutes, we see deep in the heart of the island, Jack puts the rock back, and the water and glowing light return. The light fills the cavern with Jack inside. Hurley and Ben pull Desmond out, and Hurley realizes that Jack is gone. He asks what he's supposed to do now, and Ben says that he should do what he does best, take care of people. Hurley asks Ben to help him. Jack wakes up in the river below the cave and limps slowly through the jungle and back to the bamboo forest. He lays down in the very spot he first landed on on the island. In the sky, he sees a plane fly overhead and smiles. Vincent appears and lies down next to Jack. We see one last close-up of Jack's eye as it closes. And And the the end. end. That is the end of Lost, the end, the series finale and season finale of season six of Lost. And now that we've reviewed the story, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll revisit our thoughts. We will get to our follow-up thoughts on the end in just a moment, as well as to your comments and you all, everybody. But first, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. Audible has more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and also features audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of the transmission, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. And once again, we've got a book 
recommendation, but this one comes from a blog commenter named Island She, or uh, spelled S-I-D-H-E for she. Um, her comments actually helped a lot of readers there deal with the science versus faith issues in the finale, and she recommended a book that a few others actually went right out and bought. So here's her comment. All through this season, some people have been speculating about the sideways as being a parallel reality created by the detonation of Jughead. The existence of parallel realities or dimensions is theory seriously espoused by some quantum physicists, including physicist Michio Kaku. Kaku has written an entire book exploring the possibility called Parallel Worlds. I wonder if, with all the references to quantum physics and constructs, we have been given the option to interpret the ending simply or something a bit more complex. Daniel Faraday actually mentioned this in a season 5 episode when he said that at some point, quantum physics leaves concrete science behind and heads into an area more like religion. I think the line between the two is very thin, and perhaps the entire series has been pointing to that. Think about the island itself. It cannot be seen on any satellite. It moves around in space and time. It clearly exists in another dimension, connected to our own, but removed from it. So who can say that the afterlife isn't another universe that we enter, created and shaped by the choices we made in this one? So if you think that's a promising or a comforting thought, you might want to check it out. And yes, the book is available on audible.com. The full title is Parallel Worlds, A Journey Through Creation, Higher Dimensions, and the Future of the Cosmos. Again, that was by Michi. Kaku and the audiobook is narrated by Mark Veter. Yes, it is unabridged and you can get it or any other audiobook of your choice free with this offer. You just go to audiblepodcast.com slash transmission. That's audiblepodcast.com slash transmission. And we'd also like to thank audible.com for supporting our show. Absolutely. You know, it took us a while, a long while to warm up to the idea of having advertising in our show, mm -hmm. but I think it uh, worked out well. We got to talk about lost books and and uh, the support, as you said, has, has been greatly appreciated. We've gotten to Comic-Con. Absolutely. That helped a great deal. And now I'm actually feeling kind of wistful because that was probably our last ad placement. Mm. But here we are now a week after our initial reactions podcast to the end, the series finale of Lost. Now, a week ago, we recorded really in the immediate aftermath of the episode. We were teary-eyed, overwhelmed still pretty much confused. It was a great time capsule of that moment. But now we've had a week to revisit, rewatch, to process and think about what we saw. So now with that time between us, have your opinions changed any about the end? My left brain is kicking in a little bit. There's mm. puzzle pieces that don't quite fit. There are things I'm a little sketchy on, but my right brain absolutely loves it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that last part. Now, for me, uh, again, I really wanted to stay in that moment where we were last week. I think that our initial reactions podcast pretty much stands for itself. We yeah. did go through a lot of things point by point, and now I'm in the mindset to sort of step back and take it in as a whole. I do agree, though, that there is part of you that now begins to maybe question things, to see the seams in the, in the fabric, to kind of pick at the loose threads that are, are standing. That's, I think, a natural instinct. So part of me is kind of regretting um, that part of my brain, that left side. I like how you put it. But the right side of my brain, and I think just overall my brain still feels it was great. It was 
the right ending for Lost. It felt, you know, emotionally at the gut level like a good ending to the, the, the entire show. It was beautifully shot. It was wonderfully acted. There were just so many things about it that really worked for me. Absolutely. It worked. You know, that was the catchphrase of the episode, and that's how I kind of summarized this episode. It all together as one giant presentation was a beautiful symphony performance of Lost. It had all of the individual elements mixed together perfectly that to me had me on the edge of my seat and, you know, really just really sucked into it. I thought that, of course, the pacing worked really well. The writing was strong. A lot of the little things that they did from Sawyer's funny lines about leprechauns to (laughs) some really deep and, you know, possibly melodramatic things I think were played very, very well. Actually, the performances, I would Mm -hmm. say on the whole, Every actor on this show in this episode gave their A game. I could feel every single one of them, probably because as actors, they might have felt the gravity of the situation. Well, right. I mean, this is the end and, you know, they're leaving all these people to go do something else. And I really imagine that filming those scenes was as emotional for for them as it was for us to watching it absolutely the music of course was fantastic in fact it's the music more than anything that's really been sticking in my head this whole week I can be lying in bed and just hear Giacchino score various parts of it yes they were kind of tugging at our heartstrings they gave us that swelling life and death theme at the very end but I for one was perfectly happy to be played like a fiddle at least in that respect actually before we go too far though early on I should say we've got a couple of corrections we seized on a couple of things in the the episode that turned out to be not really based in anything correct. First of all, the footage of the uh, plane wreckage on the beach that they showed in silence over the closing credits. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out it was just ABC throwing something in there to make the transition to the evening news more gentle. Bad move. <laughs> well, it was fascinating because we thought about it and what could it mean. I was feeling that it was the Ajira plane. And so what did a, I. What a great dark ending that nobody made it off the island. And But other people said, and I think correctly, that it was the oceanic flight. And because there wasn't signs of survivors or people running around, that what they were trying to say is maybe the crash didn't happen. But yes, all of that theorizing, all of that thinking, frankly, all of that confusion was basically once again caused by the network independent of the storyteller so that's out the window also I was excited sort of by the uh, mirroring with Jack being wounded and lying down in that spot in the bamboo forest and I said oh yeah and remember Jack was hurt at the start so what a great connection there but as many people pointed out the wound that he got that Kate had to sew up in the pilot was on his back and on the completely different side. So that wasn't the brilliant callback that I thought it was. What I didn't mention and what we didn't catch was that where he was stabbed by Locke was where he saw the appendix scar in the flash sideways. You know, his mom brings it up. They have that weird conversation and then Mm -hmm. they never discuss it again. So as fixated as we were on that uh, neck wound and it was brought up several times in the flash sideways, that one conversation about his appendix being out and the weird scar was a great callback to, or I don't know, just a great direct connection to him being stabbed in the stomach in the very end. As Jesus is stabbed in the stomach, well, <laughs> right. in the side, yes, in the Bible. And certainly a lot of people picked up on, and have from the beginning picked up a lot of the uh, Jesus parallels to Jack's mm-hmm. character. Maybe not subtle, but definitely a nice touch. So apart from those things, and I'm sure there were other things that we missed as well, but I'm very feeling very good about our initial reactions podcast. I'd mm-hmm. say just go back to that for the sort of the iterative line-by-line review of things that we liked or, or didn't like or understood. Again, I kind of wanted to focus more on the big picture this week because, as you said, there was definitely a lot to like in the series finale. Everybody's island story came together in such a beautiful way. All the characters came full circle. I always thought 
that the most logical conclusion for Jack would be for him to sacrifice himself to the island mm-hmm, to for, let go. for the sake of all of his friends. And he did that. And I really believed all of the things that his character went through. Absolutely. And I think it was great, as we had mentioned, to see Kate step up and be the badass that we fell in love with from the very beginning she was of great. the show. And um, Hurley being the great protector. You know, Jack, you're kind of the obvious choice. But no, it was Hurley who eventually steps forward to become the island protector. And honestly, who else could it possibly be? And, you know, I didn't even really realize this until I really thought about it. But Hurley has never been hurt. He has never been in a physical confrontation apart from that what that time with yeah, Sawyer. Sawyer yeah but I mean he's never been shot he's never been punched in the face he's you know he's gone through his island experience relatively unscathed I would, and I think that's certainly key I mean perhaps because it's hard to imagine anyone wanting to hurt Hurley we were saying before the end of the season that I was afraid that they would have to come up with a scenario for him to die so mm-hmm. how do they avoid that well he again steps up and becomes the new protector I thought that was fantastic and I liked the flash sideways i really did um i thought it was exhilarating how everyone came together they just they just did that really well i mean on a mechanical level how you connected the people who had different sort of plots going on how you got them all together in the end i thought was great yes that it was as i said a big giant clip show to some extent but to me again a damn effective one i did want to see the in the end of the show kind of a a retrospective or a reminder of what we had been through over the last six years i have to say the thing i love the most in this episode is the look on hurley's face when he goes to fetch Charlie. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, that grin. I just, I love it. Yeah, the goofy grins were really key. I mean, uh, there were some heart-wrenching performances. There were some really gripping performances. But sometimes the goofy grins are all you need. You had uh, Hurley that way with Charlie. And I like Sun and Jin, both of them beaming in the hospital room when Sawyer is frantic. I need to protect you. And you can see at them, they're completely at peace. And they know who Sawyer is and his uh-huh. background. So, I mean, I think at the very same moment we see their faces, they're appreciating the irony that he's a policeman in this <laughs> in this universe but also they're very very happy to see him so definitely goofy grins was was great and you know yes there was the big snake in the mailbox moment the the complete and utter shocking silent conversation no music there with uh christian shepherd and jack explaining for us what the flash sideways were i have to admit even watching it again i still hear in my head the sound of a record player kind of scratching off and just Mm -hmm. like what you know just somehow it was really really jarring but in the same way that uh, the flash forward at the end of season three was jarring, I kind of liked it again as a, 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 it was a slap in the face. It was a kind of a shake, but it was a reminder to think of everything that they presented in that storyline in a different light. And everybody went back, even Jimmy Kimmel went back to show Rose and Jack on the plane at the very start of this season. And the very first thing that Rose says to Jack after the turbulence is, you can let go now, Jack. You right. know? And even Jack says, I think we made it. And Rose says, yes, yes, we did. And all of that dialogue now has double meaning. Everything that Bernard says when he meets with Jack in the dentist's office has double meaning. And I definitely like, in the end, what they did there. Yes, it was a shock. It was a slap in the face. It was something that you want to recoil from and maybe or maybe not go back and watch all of this season to to reprocess all of that. But, th- you know, that rethinking, that um, mental shift that you have to make, that is the signature of Lost. And I, for one, again, give them a great deal of credit for making that move. So 
I, for one, feel strongly that we needed both sides of this story, that we needed the flash sideways here in the final season of Lost as the island storyline was drawn to a close. I, I think that it was important to have the denouement at, at the same time we're seeing the climax. Because really, yes, it's beautiful, the on-island story, basically all of Lost up until this point is the completion of the next cycle after Jacob, the selection and the inheritance of Hurley of the island and Jack's great sacrifice. But if you take a look at how that was essentially depicted, I mean, a real basic look, it all came down to the removal and replacement of a giant stone cork in an underground, you know, pool glowing uh, deep, deep at the bottom of a waterfall. I didn't expect them to be that literal. I did not expect that there would be a cork in the ground. Right. So if that's all there was to the end of Lost, if that was the the climax of season six, I think that there would be some people who would be disappointed in that as well. So I think that with the flash sideways, we get the big picture. You know, we've talked about how the camera pulled back every season. Well, this is as far back as that camera is going to go to give us the grand scheme of Lost, which is the value, the importance of the things that they went through on the island, even if it is to the end of their actual and literal soul. If they hadn't used the flash forward, though, there probably been, would have been time, even, I mean, even time to spare for them to reveal and explain all of the mysteries of the island. Right, right. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a fair complaint, that the amount of time taken by the Flash sideways was a significant amount of time if you were looking for some of those payoffs. And we were saying as we were watching this final season, hmm, I'm not sure. It does seem like they're running out of runway. It does, does feel like we're running out of time. I, I don't know when they're going to actually get around to some of this stuff. And they didn't. Yeah. And, you know, that's certainly frustrating. And and like you said, the left brain of my head definitely can feel that frustration. But I'm also confident that this was largely in the grand architecture of the show, that it was not something that they just pulled out of thin air. I mean, well, do you think, as they said from the very beginning, that they had in mind what the end of the show would look like, that we saw that, that there was sort of that symmetry in their original vision in conceiving of the show? Absolutely. I don't think they really knew how they were going to get there but this show is all about circles and and things happening over and over again i felt like the eye closing would be totally the most natural ending right and uh, actually, I think it's John Fisher on the blog who says quite frequently that the original title for the concept of Lost when it was first pitched, I guess, around the ABC studios was The Circle. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's certainly fitting. That's obviously what we got. And I do feel that what we received, better or for better or for worse, is what uh, the creators and the writers really intended to deliver. I mean, I do feel that full narrative picture. Still, as satisfying as the end was, as a as a complete dish, as it were, I think it's fair, as you said, to point out that, you know, given the distance of time and the laser focus that Lost fans are known mm -hmm. for, that after we've had a chance to really process it, there were some little things, things that we perhaps missed that we thought were interesting, and definitely some... I don't know, ingredients that taste a little funny, you know, some things that I think still needed to be worked out or that we need to work out. So let's go through those. We had uh, kind of a list. We'll start with the flash sideways. I do think that most of the questions that people have, have had focus on that part of this season. And we'll start at the beginning. The island was at the bottom of the ocean at the start of the flash sideways, but now we know the flash sideways was just purgatory, some afterlife. So what was that? Was that just a big head fake to keep us, you know, thinking throughout the entire season? No, I believe that the island eventually does end up on the bottom of the ocean. Hmm. 
um, how far away that is, I, I don't really know. I don't know whose watch it happens under. It might be Hurley. It might be the person that came after Hurley. I believe that some human came to the island, <laughs> got stupid, and pulled the cork out of the island again. It, and, you know, it, that actually, it proves the man in black right, that mankind comes and messes everything up. And, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's also true to life if the eventual end of the island is that it cannot exist as it does with this great power of fully exposed and accessible to people because people just can't stop messing with it. So just like the failsafe and Desmond and the hatch, just removing it from the picture is the best end for it. I don't know. I guess I'll take that. Um, I, we, we mentioned last week, I thought it was awesome that when Juliet says, it worked, that it was just funny that she was just talking about the soda machine. And I stopped there. I just thought that that was them, you know, really messing with us. But no, as many people pointed out, the the act of unplugging and plugging back in the soda machine is the act that we saw on the island with you know, Desmond pulling it out. Right, the and, island and rebooted it itself. It was a reboot for the island. And and again, it was the loophole for Jack to kill the man in black, finally. You know, the question has always been, how do you kill an invincible smoke monster? Well, when he's turned mortal because the island power is extinguished, that's how you do it. So mm-hmm. apparently that metaphor was a lot more deep than I initially picked up. Um, in terms of Easter eggs, a lot of people were really focused on the stained glass window in the, the church where Jack has that conversation with Christian Shepherd. I, I immediately just took it for granted that it was a Christian church, but there was a lot more. No, going there on were there. symbols of Judaism, of Islam, of Buddhism. Of all, you know, we've talked about before how there have been symbols of a lot of religions prevalent on the show, and that stained glass window was a perfect example of that. Yeah, I mean, and when I went back to look at it, I said, "Well, that's interesting." You know, you've got all the different religions there, even the the star at the top. You know, some people on the blog had said that that might represent the science piece of an electron or a neutron there exploding, um, and also scattered around in that room were other artifacts from a variety of religions. I, I have to admit, I, I didn't notice that. I'm kind of glad I didn't. It's almost a little too you know, on the nose for me that yeah. uh, we're all one, that all spiritualism is exactly the same and fa- faces the same truths. Uh, I'm not sure if I can necessarily go there, but uh, an interesting message, a, a neat little Easter egg. What I did notice watching again was Jack's flash was not brought about by helping Locke, despite the fact that he almost seems to predict that's going to happen. He tells Locke that if I can fix you, that's all the peace that I'm going to need. But after that, you know, happens and Locke flashes with wiggling his toes, Jack doesn't feel anything and that it's Kate that brings about, you know, Jack's awakening. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not entirely comfortable with that because the whole thing that we've come to learn about Jack is that fixing people is his reason to be. It's his whole purpose in life. And I think for his awakening to come that way, it's really denying what we've been told all this time, that that Jack needs to find inner peace by right. letting go and not necessarily having to find comfort in helping others. Right, and, and I, I do think, though, that it was a beautiful moment. I mean, the way that Kate does, you know, wake up Jack is she says, I really missed you. And she delivers it with such weight because, as we learn in the end, she has come to the Flash sideways after living a full life, after getting off the island, you know, and living hopefully not as a fugitive back in the real world, but she does eventually come back to find Jack, who she left behind in the island a long time ago. So yes, I think it was a great moment, but I think it was weird that she brought it about, and not even David, you know, and and again, I'm still kind of 
confused as to what David was in the Flash sideways. Was he completely a figment of of their everyone's imagination somehow? Not imagination. I I think the Flash sideways is a world. It's a totally valid world. It's just not the world that we've seen. And I think David is some missing part of of Jack, Jack's personality, Jack's soul. Right. Well, I mean, basically, Locke spells it out and says, you don't have a son. And I guess it can't get much simpler than that. But with that statement, it does just raise questions about the, 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 the existence of the person that other people could see and interact with. The crackpot theory that I briefly hatched and then got quickly, you know, pounded down by my coworkers was that, well, hey, remember back in season five when Kate gives up Aaron and then goes crawling back to Jack and agrees to go back to the island and it's sort of implied that the two of them get together that evening right. and then we sort of suspected there's a possibility that Kate might get, might get pregnant. Well, what if David in the Flash Sideways was the David that is growing within Kate that she gets off the island with even though jack never got to know his son how about that well i don't know i thought (laughs) david was juliet's son that's true so well do you think that that's where the connection is then for david that you know juliet uh having well you know we also thought that juliet was pregnant didn't we? At That's the, true. At the start she was of about to tell Sawyer something. At the bottom of the at the bottom of Jughead's well, and we all said that she was going to tell him that she was pregnant. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of interesting too. That in either in the case of Kate or Juliet, you may have had uh, an unborn child, and that either of them, in terms of a spirit coming to the afterlife, that could have been David. Or I'm just crazy. I don't know. Just a thought. No, it has to mean something. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I just haven't quite figured it out yet. Speaking of love and people waking each other up, we Uh have the scene with Charlie and Claire. Uh, The thing that confuses me about that is we're told at the very beginning of season six, Charlie is the one who knows everything first. He has that vision while he's in the lavatory on the plane. But he doesn't seem fully aware of what's really happening until the scene where Claire gives birth. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. It's, it was a beautiful scene. That's really pretty much what I focused on. But it's fair to say that I guess Charlie was only half awake for most of this season. Because or he had he, just the basic fuzzy notions in the back of his head and he didn't really get the full meaning of them until he saw um, Claire and Aaron yeah, together. Yeah, but he was confident enough in it to have that conversation with Desmond and confident enough to drive Desmond into the water and give him a near-death experience to see the same truth even though he didn't have a full comprehension of it and then it only comes with the, with that last scene. That's actually a kind of a good point. I wonder what state Charlie was actually in. I mean, for him to see the complete picture, I mean, I think he even suggested on the airplane is that he had to, he was looking forward to dying to completely re- realize that but he was having that in the flash sideways or in the afterlife where he was already dead so there's a bit of a paradox there i definitely haven't figured that one out Kimi and mikhail die in the flash sideways also so what does that mean for them yeah were they actually there or were they a construct were they just part of you know saeed's awakening or what Jin had to experience I, i i can't even explain how a lot of these characters played in the flash sideways part of me thinks um actually perhaps a problem might be that the flash sideways were too real that the writers were playing their cards a little too close to their vest so that we couldn't you know envision that something mystical might be going on there i i got a little grief for calling it purgatory but i called it that because it certainly wasn't a happy you know rainbows and unicorns world it was a place where sun had to be shot you know in order to get to her awakening where uh saeed had to kill people including you know mikhail and kimi had to die and 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 that certainly didn't seem like an entirely positive universe to be living in the events of last season in la somehow felt less real to me than this world. Hmm. There were too many moments last season 
where you're kind of wondering what just happened you know the whole Kate going to Jack after she gives up Aaron and the scene where Kate goes to um, Claire's mother to tell her about Aaron all of it felt very much like some kind of construct like somebody's imagination that's an excellent point you've said that you thought that all of the stuff that happened after they got off the island before they had to come back Mm -hmm. seemed like a dream it seemed surreal and I kind of picked up on that as well I think that it actually happened but there was more question about its actuality than there was with the flash sideways so again maybe just a little too realistic I mean when Locke stopped to pay the cab driver when he shows up at the (laughs) church I'm thinking wait if you know what's going on why would you do anything why would you pay the cab driver in fact who's the cab driver what's the cab driver there so too many questions i think raised by the realism of the flash sideways well in the end they all congregate in the church the church of any and all denominations and i think what people are focusing a lot on is who was in the church and who wasn't in the church we know that christian jack kate sawyer Locke, hurley saeed shannon son jin charlie claire aaron desmond penny juliet libby boone rose and bernard were in the church and to me that seemed like a pretty complete set and that kind of gave the message that they wanted to give us that everyone is coming together to move on but you can't help but also fixate on the people who weren't there and there were some notable absences i think high on our list was mr echo mr echo no mr echo so can you at least in a narrative sense explain why he wasn't there well at first this really made me angry you know i felt like if we're going to bring everybody back we needed to bring everybody back but then i realized mr echo was a fully spiritually enlightened person he went from being a killing angry drug lord to being a priest and i feel like his experience on the island finding yemi um being able to um, baptize Aaron, it really brought his spirit into the into the higher plane. So he'd already basically walked into the light. Right. He was done already. He, he'd moved on. Okay, that, that's one way. Um, we, we didn't see Michael there, but I think Michael's fate, unfortunately, was explained for better or worse. Yeah, he's stuck the, on the island. Yeah, with the whispers explanation and answer that we got there. Walt wasn't there, though, and that kind of troubled me to some extent, although it did bring me back to the last time we essentially saw Walt in, in a story, and that was when Locke went to go get him in the life and death of Jeremy Bentham. And he's clearly set up to bring Walt back to the island to reintroduce him to all of this drama, everything that's going on. And Locke makes the conscious decision not to bring him. You know, Locke basically says he's been through enough. Let him go. And I think that, you know, for better or worse, incomplete or not, that was the end of Walt's story. So that's why he's not uh, in the in the church either. Doesn't Walt tell Locke? The last time he sees him, I had a vision of you on the island and everybody wanted to hurt you. Yes, that's true. So, well, I guess he didn't know that the lock he was seeing was actually the evil smoke monster, and that's why everybody wanted to hurt him. But that's certainly an interesting foreshadowing that they gave us back then. And also not in the church was Ben. You know, Ben decided that uh, he wasn't done yet, that he hadn't fully resolved something. Have you had any further thoughts on what it might be? Well, the most logical explanation for me is um, Rousseau and... and, um, Alex were not ready to go yet. Right, they weren't there either. So basically, that's the that's the unfinished business that he has. Because I thought that he flashed when he saw, you know, Alex doing his homework, and he had that sense of love and concern for her. So I thought once he had seen the flash, he should be done. But perhaps he's basically in the same state that Charlie was. He, he had a vision, but not the complete vision, and uh, still had some work to do before he's completely realized. Right. I, I'm still curious about that, though. Well, I had a lot more notes about the flash sideways than I did on the island, but I guess I'll ask you is there anything in the island storyline that still kind of stood out or anything that you caught upon rewatching the episode the big thing for me was 
we're not ever really told this. And I guess this is something we're going to have to decide amongst ourselves <laughs> in our own minds. But why couldn't the man in black get off the island? Yeah. Actually, pretty much I agree. That was on my short list, too, because it's never fully explained how that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. We still don't understand entirely why Jacob also felt that that was something that couldn't happen. And in this episode, we see him converted from the invincible smoke monster, which I would agree might be a danger to the rest of the world, yeah. into a mere mortal. So if Locke is unlocked, is you know the man in black in a mortal form and just a guy in a boat, what threat does he necessarily pose to the rest of the world? To some extent, when you go back to the you know simple that we felt for him in uh, Across the Sea, that isn't fully negated here. I don't see him as a purely evil being, just someone who was basically held against his will, had, was manipulated, had basically the short end of the stick his entire life. Maybe Lost is, to some extent, the sad story, the tragic tale of this man in black who's just never going to find redemption. So I kind of have some frustration with that part. The best thing that I can come up with is that, well, we know that his mother was not expecting to have twins. Mm. And she didn't even have a name for him. And I, I, I think maybe um, it's a kind of an issue of balance in the universe. Maybe he, um, the man in black is not supposed to be in existence and it would upset the balance of the rest of the universe. I, I can, that's sort of how I kind of saw it, except for, again, the fact that he was turned into a bleeding mortal in the end. So I'm not sure if he still remained a threat. Um, but definitely an open end there. I, I was kind of curious. Uh, I was thinking a lot about how Desmond was so sure before he goes down into the the waterfall down into the pool in the heart of the island that he was going to go into the flash sideways right and then he turns out to be wrong he screams no it turns out he's stuck he's not done and last week i said well that was interesting it's basically just as mrs hawking said that he wasn't completely ready but all of a sudden i went back and i thought about you know his episodes like flashes before your eyes he right. goes into what now could have been the flash sideways he goes into this world where he is within reach of happiness with penny he is within reach of fully resolving himself and perhaps moving completely into the light. And what, you know, Eloise Hawking does in that episode is says, nope, the island is not done with you yet. You know, you need to do these things. You do need to have these unresolved issues. And I think that pushes him back into the island. So in fact, what flashes before your eyes might be is Desmond's attempt to die, basically. Desmond's attempt to escape his mortal bonds. And what oh. um, Mrs. Hawking basically does is push him back. The island is not done with you yet. So he's not done. You know, he can't be fully in the flash sideways yet. I don't know. Oh. I kind of want to go back to all of those um, great Desmond episodes and see if his big flashes, if his exposure, in fact, to the, um, you know, the the hatch exploding was, in fact, a trip to the afterlife, that that's actually what it was. I don't know. It's, it's certainly definitely worth a rewatch there. Speaking of the heart of the island, I found it really surprising that they did spell out for us what the heart of the island is. I would, I think I might have liked it better if it had been a Marcellus Wallace thing. It was whatever we had in our minds. Whatever the golden we briefcase. Yes. Yeah, that it, w that it was just something mystical and we just have to, to leave it at that. I thought that when they showed us the really brightly glowing golden cave that that would be as close as we'd get to it. But you're right. It is, again, it was a literal cork. It was a stone in a pool and it was a pool that was clearly built by somebody. There were skeletons and there. And now we have and... to think, well, who 
built the pool. And right. That just kind of frustrates yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, it, it creates another iteration to go even further back. You know, yes, every answer begets another question, but I'm with you. I mean, obviously it was necessary to give us the loophole to kill the man in black, but in terms of uh, being really literal, in terms of the cork, definitely a surprise for me. I do want to say, though, I mean, I want to reiterate that I'm glad that they had that loophole and that Locke was turned mortal because that gave us the actual climax in terms of action that we needed. You know, a smoke monster versus anybody else is not much of a fight. No. You know, you watch some of these other movies where it's superheroes and what are the stakes if nobody can actually be hurt? So they gave us with this climax that wonderful, epic battle it on the cliffside between Jack and Locke. It had to come down to the two of them, mano a mano. Uh, I just thought it was great. Fists and daggers and, you know, that epic, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, flying punch. He comes flying through the air. It, mm-hmm. it was fat. It, that scene is already an internet meme. You know, it's it's a it's an animated gif. People are posting it, making jokes about it. But it was definitely, you know, on the dramatic level, on the acting level, on the human level, the kind of showdown, the kind of epic standoff that I wanted to get here in the last episode. Except that Kate brought a gun to a knife fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She basically does kind of come in like Indiana Jones at the end and blows the guy <laughs> away. Definitely a great moment definitely a great line i saved, I saved you, you a bullet, bullet. I mean, a shout out loud moment and then and, and again great for kate Good and i'm kate. so happy with the direction she went in the last couple of episodes absolutely so um i did kind of like how they tried to have it both ways at the very end with the love triangle where yeah. kate and jack have the long and meaningful kiss but it's sawyer with that kate runs off with and gets off the island and yes there's the beautiful closing of the eye and the death of jack but part of me and probably the part of me that doesn't entirely want to let lost go now is really thinking a lot in a fun way about what might happen after the Ajira 6 get off the island, after they get back to the real world, a real world that is still reeling from the story of the Oceanic 6. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a sequel. I don't think it's necessarily a book or a movie. But uh, if there's anything that fans can leap on to to kind of keep the story going, it might be that. Well, talk about sequels. I want to know what happens to the island under the care of Ben and Hurley. Right. The very next cycle. You know, how long does that last? How, how many people do they bring to the island? If Hurley runs things differently what does that mean in terms of uh, how the candidate selection goes Uh, all kinds of possibilities Overall, I'd say, again, uh, a great episode. It felt right. Um, I did want to, before we close, though, kind of pick up on where we started this conversation. You know, you had said mm-hmm. that, unfortunately, your left brain was uh, kind of kicking in right. and you kind of had some questions. And I would say that looking at the very split reaction to this episode, there are essentially two, I would say, main objections to the end. And, you know, people actually begged us to acknowledge this. And, and I certainly do want to hear what the listeners are saying. I, I don't discount it at all. And actually, the first of the two I can feel and that was that when they give us this um, flash sideways when they give us the afterlife which is essentially happily ever after except dead they kind of remove the dramatic weight of what happened on the island how deeply can we feel that Jack died if in the very next shot he's walking into the glowing light how much did it mean that Sun and Jin died and got us crying on our couches if again we see that in the end it all works out in the afterlife that's something I struggle with too because after everything that happened this season I was really expecting a dark tragic end you know we really saw some dark tragic things happen and the way that they wrote it to be happy and you know we're all holding hands in the church it really (laughs) felt like they were trying to write themselves out 
of that dark situation. Yeah, I mean, I, perhaps maybe I too was expecting something a little dark, you know, when I thought that the wreckage meant that the plane had crashed. And I said, uh-huh. oh, well, that's actually a neat twist if that's what they did. Um, I don't know, though. I guess they felt that they could not do that. But I can I, I totally hear at least the objections on that level. But I still cried, you know, for the loss of Jack as much as I cried for being happy with the journey that he ultimately took. Right. So I don't think it was a cop out. I don't think that they undermined everything. And I agree with you that I think that this was what they intended to do, at least from the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. And it felt right. It hit me in the heart. It tugged at my heartstrings in exactly the way that I think it was intended. And and for that, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. The other primary piece, the other primary objection, though, is the unanswered questions. It's the mysteries. It's the things about the island that they never got around to explaining. And for those issues, for those unanswered questions, for those open mysteries, and this is purely just my personal honest feeling, my reaction <laughs> is that I don't mind. I'm not worked up about it. I Maybe I took the message of the episode, you know, let go to heart. Maybe I did have the wool pulled over my eyes. I mean, a lot of people really feel conned by Lost that they didn't get around to a lot of the things that they introduced in the early seasons. But for me, I like the explanations that they gave. I like the understanding that we have. And any of those loose threads, I'm more than happy to argue with other fans. I'm more than happy to theorize with you. And that's pretty much enough for me. I mean, look at how we took some of the answers that they gave us the whispers the skeletons i mean right. they gave they spelled it out for us and we hated it and we hated exactly. it exactly i i think that if season six had been sort of let's walk through the encyclopedia of lost and start checking these off like those two as I an example i think i would have jumped off a we would have all been we would have either been upset because it didn't live up to our expectations because honestly we all had expectations about a lot of those explanations and it would not have been good storytelling it would not have been a, su- a successful or or a, a great journey because because it would be the checklist that I was kind of afraid that we would get. So for me, look, season five, when they went back in time and they lived in the Dharma Initiative, to me, that was where they basically explored all they were going to explore on the science side. Here's those you know, stations we talked about. Here's an understanding of the people behind the Dharma Initiative mm-hmm. and some of the things that they're trying to investigate. Season six gave us all the mystical things, the magical things, the unexplainable, somewhat weird things. Who is Jacob? What is the smoke monster? What is the entire conflict that's been going on on this island since the beginning of time? We got you know, across the sea, which took some time to kind of process and understand, you know, so season six was the mystical season five was the scientific. And basically, the first three seasons were great storytelling. And uh, I'm happy to leave it at that. At least I am. Can you think of any mysteries or questions that really annoy you that they didn't address? Honestly, who is Ray? Who is Ray? Well, we know that he's Jack's grandfather, but who is he? Why did he seem to know so much? That's true. What was his connection? I mean, I really feel like this is something they could have addressed. At least they could have put him in the church. I mean, right. if if he's that instrumental in the dynamic between Christian and Jack, right. I, I think they really could have explained that. Yeah, but I mean, I think that also fits into just the father issues, the exploration of the characters. I mean, it, it did have a lot of potential, a lot of possibility that they left on the table, but I don't think it was a deal breaker. I mean, uh, the canoe scene, we've been fixated on the canoe scene. We didn't even mention it last week, but where was that, right? What happened to um, when, uh, what was it, the little prince where they're paddling across and, you know, Sire Locke and Juliet basically get fired upon from another 
their canoe and then they fire back and then they disappear again in a flash. And right. we, I think it was pretty much foretold that we would get that answer and we didn't get it. Does that ruin the show for me? Is that something that's a loose end that really annoys me? Not not necessarily. In fact, I've already written that scene for me. I think that when we saw in this episode where uh, Alpert and uh, Miles are paddling across and they pick uh-huh. up Frank, my feeling is that they probably picked up Frank and the not dead submarine, you know, captain. Oh, right. And then when there's a flash, they see Locke in the canoe that we saw and they think, there's the evil Locke. We need to kill him. They pull out the gun. They shoot at Sawyer's paddle. They turn around they shoot probably kill the submarine pilot who falls into the water and then they flash away so that could have been where that was going to fit but the fact that they didn't explain it again i i don't know i'm sorry i just can't work up a lot of outrage about it i did Mm -hmm. have a list i mean i i had a long list of the things that weren't really answered but to me we've hypothesized enough and probably to a greater satisfaction than the writers would give us think uh, fertility what was the deal with fertility on the island well we know that uh, ethan was the last baby born and that sometime in the near future there's a problem with fertility well after that is when jughead goes off so let's just say jughead caused the infertility um the the whole thing about the the supply drop where did that come from well they did say that the coordinates you know wherever you come in kind of causes a time discrepancy it just came in on a really wrong trajectory and showed up really really late i mean so for every possible open mystery there's been a significant amount of conversation and honestly that conversation is more valuable to me than anything that the writers could have come up with what else are we going to talk about for the next four or five years yeah well that's the sign of a great show that we keep talking about it even after it's over right but that's just our honest opinion i mean i can see again i don't discount those that were frustrated but I think that if you can let go of some of these unanswered questions, you can perhaps see the greater arc of the story and I think the great journey that we've all taken together. I, for one, am still very satisfied. Well, before we close, and we have gone on quite a bit, uh, we do like to talk about locations, and I will mention them for the curious. Of course, we had Bishop Museum again, and of course they were Mm -hmm. using the Long Hall, which is the side gallery in the main Hawaiian Hall at Bishop Museum. It was interesting when they show Kate coming into the room where Aaron's about to be born, you can actually see the sharks that are really Uh hanging from the ceiling in Hawaiian Hall, and I thought it was kind of cool because sharks, they have sharks. You know, We've had Dharma sharks on the show. That was a nice touch um the flight line motel they returned to that it was the same apartment building by the zoo on kapuhulu avenue Mm -hmm. and uh, of course uh, the big waterfall if we if you listen to any of the forward cabin the the great waterfall that they lowered everyone in was actually just this great structure that they built in the parking lot of the film studio. Cool. So it was really neat to see it in this mystical sense on the uh, on the show when in real life all I saw was a big bunch of foam and pipes and stuff. It was, it was kind <laughs> of a neat transformation. Transformation, And finally, the church, the church that I think is probably going to get a lot of visitors from Lost fans in the, in the years to come was the St. Margaret Mary Chapel at Sacred Hearts Academy on Wailai Avenue. And it was right next to St. Patrick's School Right. the exterior of which that they also used. So I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe driving by there and maybe sitting in that church and seeing if I can find my way into a more <laughs> peaceful future. In any case, those are our one week later thoughts on the end, perhaps too many thoughts. So we had quite a bit to say despite our uh, yeah, already surprising. putting out an initial reactions podcast. If you missed that, though, you might want to go back and check it out. It was our May 24th podcast, the one before this one, and you can find it on our site or in iTunes. But now that we filled all this time with our talk it's time to move to the real brilliance here on the transmission when we come back we'll hear from you all everybody hey 
Ryan and Jen. This is Scott from Nashville with my thoughts on the Lost finale. I absolutely loved the first two hours and 15 minutes. I felt like the on-island ending was extremely poetic and satisfying with Hurley taking over control of the island and Jack dying next to Vincent. For me, they could have ended it right there, except that we had these Flash Sideways stories all season long. That story had to be wrapped up and connected somehow, and that's where the series failed for me. I was anticipating this awe-inspiring connection point in the finale where the two worlds connected, but it felt dreadfully flat those last 15 minutes. I watched all finale long as they gathered everyone together. Oh, we'll see you there. We're going to leave. I asked, where are they going? Back to the island? To the lamppost station? Is their collective consciousness going to somehow bring about the end of the smoke monster on the island? No, they're all passing on to the afterlife together, and all of their interesting sideways reality story arcs were just a waste of time. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the ride from season one. I was just hoping for a more satisfying end of the road. And that's my two cents. Thanks, bye. Hi, Ryan and Jen, this is Tim from London, uh, sharing my thoughts about the finale. Uh, the first time I watched it, I have to say I completely hated it. Uh, very disappointing, uh, very surreal ending. I understood it. Um, I didn't care much about answers, so it wasn't that. It was just that I felt alienated from the characters um, in the, the final scene in the church. It felt like they weren't human. There was no moment to sort of diffuse the surreality of the of the sort of a whole scene. The island's importance seemed to sort of be taken away from the final scene. I mean, so uh, I just felt like at the end of watching Lost, I would sort of not be able to look back at it fondly. But thankfully, I... Um, I watched it again, and I loved it this time. Uh, I really did. I mean, the ending, I could, st- I would still make sort of changes to, um, or I would have preferred to see done differently. But, you know, it's it's their, their show, I guess. It, it felt wrong, and the ending does seem a bit of a cop-out still, but, you know, I'll take it for what it is, and it was a good way to end the show all in all, although I'm surprised I'm saying that now after how I felt the first time I saw it. But anyway, yeah, um, thanks thanks again for the terrific podcast, um, and I look forward to your future shows and pop spotting. Bye. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Eric from Oakland, California, calling about The End. Right after the episode finished, I felt very disappointed. I, I loved the on-island storyline in in the whole finale but the last five minutes of the flash sideways at first felt really cheesy to me and kind of a safe ending and not of the caliber of so many of the risks that lost has taken um so i i felt very let down then today uh the day after now i'm feeling a lot better about it and actually feeling that it's a very complex ending and that there's not going to be one uh, interpretation or one figuring it all out of what it all means. That it's, it's sort of, I think, in the best sense, like a, a religious text where there's multiple interpretations for every person that, that sees it, but also at different points in each person's path of understanding. But now I feel confident that the creators had a clear plan and and did a good job. And now I get to just sit with it and sort it out 
over the rest of my life, I guess. Uh, and I'm so thankful for you guys and the transmission that really made a huge difference for me. I feel very emotional today about all this. Mahalo. Mahalo for those calls. Well, after all of the calls that we had on the Lost Line in our initial reactions podcast, mm-hmm. where people were either astonished, confused, or pretty much in love with the episode, I did think it was fair to hear some of the voices of those that were perhaps disappointed. And I think we had a pretty good range there. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott really did not like what we basically learned about the sideways story. Tim from London has at least kind of grudgingly gotten to the point where he thought it was a good way to end the show. Even mm-hmm. he can't believe he's reaching that level of acceptance. And finally, Eric from Oakland kind of coming to terms with it and saying, well, maybe it's like a religious text. We're all just going to interpret it differently. But I do want to note that Eric has actually called The Lost Line four times so far <laughs> since the episode aired, and each time he's liking it more. And I kind of like that progression. Certainly there were some people that liked the episode less the more they thought of it, but I would say the vast majority of people, even those dissatisfied with it, are coming to terms with it, mm-hmm. coming to accept it, maybe even just letting go. And I definitely like that progression. And, you know, Eric says he's feeling emotional about it. We all certainly do, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the people who were very unhappy with the episode, that passion is something that I want to pay tribute to because we love this show as much as they do. Who do we want to hear from next? Next up, Lori, Camille, and Trevor. Hi, Ryan and Jan. It's Lori calling from out in Pennsylvania. Um, I guess what I really uh, wanted to visit with you about was I noticed um, on on the podcast you were talking a little bit about um, David and his uh, implications of what he was in the Flash Sideways. And um, I guess after some thought, I'm beginning to believe that David was actually the personification, a big word there, of Jack as a, a young in, in Jack's mind uh, when he was a young boy. And um, and his uh, coming to terms with himself and his father issues. Uh, you notice how David in the Flash Sideways changed from how they first uh, interacted when we saw them and to how they interacted uh, later later on in the Flash Sideways. And I just kind of think that was Jack coming to terms with himself and, and his father issues. So I guess just my thoughts. Uh, once again, I the series was just very touching and moving and like like it did for you guys, it, it changed a lot of things in my life too. So, um, mahalo, thank you for everything that you've done for us, and um, see you on the other side. Bye. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Camille calling from Northern California, and I'm calling um, because I'm listening to your initial reaction uh, podcast, and I too, Jen, um, took issue with Saeed being with Shannon, but the more I thought about it, um, I think Shannon was the perfect person for Saeed because Saeed did have that problem believing that he was a good person. And I think he always would have had that with Nadia because of his history with her. Uh, and Shannon did not know that side of Saeed, and so I think that's why, in the end, they were meant to be together. I will miss Lost, and I'm so glad that I can keep listening to the two of you. Aloha. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Trevor from Texas. Uh, first off, I just wanted to say how much I love the finale. Uh, I thought it was a really great wrap-up. And I got a couple of uh, really neat things that I noticed. First off, the flash sideways noise that was used to transition throughout the season is the same noise as Azira 316 flying over Jack's head, 
which makes total sense, seeing that's the last thing that Jack heard before he died, and I thought that was really neat. Uh, also, uh, the whole vending machine scene with uh, Sawyer and Juliet can kind of be seen as a metaphor for the island. Um, Juliet told uh, Sawyer to unplug the vending machine, uh, much like Desmond unplugged the island. This allowed uh, Jack to kill Man in Black and, like, remove the complication from the island. This also allowed Sawyer to remove the candy bar or the complication from the vending machine and then plug it back in. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool metaphor. So uh, thanks for the great podcast, and can't wait to listen. Bye. Thanks for those calls. Well, uh, Lori, I think, has a better head on her shoulders than I certainly did in explaining David. I really like her that, that theory. It really works for me. David was Jack. That works. And uh, Camille, another good point. You know, we took issue with uh, Shannon being mm-hmm. the person that wakes up Saeed. But, hey, maybe Saeed was just a better person with Shannon. Yeah, I mean, she knew him for what he was on the island. She didn't know his background, and she accepted him. And that actually makes her... I think his soulmate. Possibly, possibly. I mean, certainly he, he could never really feel comfortable with Nadia because of his guilt. So here's somebody that that didn't exist um, with him. And Courtney in Pennsylvania also had the same thought, said that basically his relationship with Shannon was untainted. And finally, Trevor from Texas, I completely forgot. Remember when we did the, the sound sample and listened to the sound of the airplane during yeah. the flash sideways? Of course, that's the sound of the Ajira plane flying mm-hmm. overhead. So the last thing that he sees was the beginning of the flash sideways. Very nice touch. He also picked up on the vending machine, and I should point out that Jen from Boston also said, remember how Juliet says you can do it because it's legal? Uh-huh. You know, again, that sounded sort of like the rules and loopholes yeah. of getting around all that stuff, so definitely a good line. Well, next up, Eileen, Melanie, and Sam. Hi, Ryan and Jen. It's Eileen from New Jersey. I've been thinking about who created the sideways world, and somehow I think, for me, Eloise Hawking seemed to be almost in charge and having a set of rules which Desmond, of course, defied. But if I think about it, for a woman who knows she killed her own child to create a world where they could be together almost into eternity if Desmond chose not to have him in the church, if Desmond chose not to end that moment. And the way she brought him up in that world was to encourage the music side of him, not the physics side of him, which led to his death. Aloha, mahalo. I don't, I don't know what to say. I just thought the ending was perfect. And yes, there were questions, but I wanted to add that. I, I don't think Hurley was the initiator of the Sideways World. Um, thank you so much. What a gift your podcast has been. Bye-bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Melanie from Gilbert, Arizona. Um, I'm calling to talk about the last episode. I really liked it in retrospect, but as soon as that episode ended, I thought, okay, What was the point of the island, though? What was the light? But after thinking about it, I realized that Jacob said that if the light goes out, everyone they care about will cease to exist or something like that. And maybe the light at the the very end at the church is the same light on the island. And if it was out, then the Lossies wouldn't see the people they cared about. They would cease to exist. That when they die, and um, that when they die, that would be the very end. But because the light is intact, there's a place for existence. They live on and in a different way. Um, so that's just my thoughts on that. I also loved all the religious symbols that were represented in the church, even just in the stained glass window alone. And I was kind of hoping to see Richard and Isabel in the church, but I was let down. But overall, what a great series finale. What a great show. I will miss it, and I'll miss your podcast.
Bye. Okay, this is Sam Stone from Long Island, New York. Uh, I think I have a really great theory on what the artifact in the cave is. Now, uh, Mother told um, Jacob and Men in Black that the what is in the cave, everybody has a little bit of it in them, but some people want more. I believe that that artifact, like the monolith in 2001 Space Odyssey, is not really from Earth, but it's here. The monolith of 2001 spawned, so spurred on our evolution with the, with the apes in the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. I think that artifact is what is giving life to Earth. It was brought here God knows how many millennia ago. Who knows? It's been here since. Everybody has life in them. Some people want to live forever. I think that's the whole idea of what that artifact is. It is like if it goes out, everybody in the world dies. I mean, to me, that makes perfect, perfect sense. All right, that's it. Uh, I'll miss you guys. I'll miss the show, and I'll miss Lost. But you know what? There'll be another great show on. Take care. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Eileen saying that Eloise Hawking could be responsible for creating the Flash sideways. Well, that's kind of a pretty beautiful, poetic way to think about it because, I mean, she felt so much guilt over the loss of her son that... You know, if she created this world where she could be with him. Yeah, except um, Christian does specifically say that this was created by all of you. And, right. you know, again, I don't think that any one person necessarily was the centric person in The Flash Sideways. But you're right, it is a beautiful thought. And Eloise is certainly another character who's basically pretty tragic in, in given what she's experienced and mm-hmm. what has happened to her family. So uh, I like the way you're thinking. Uh, Melanie from Gilbert, Arizona, says that the light at the uh, church is the same light that was on the island. I certainly think that was key. Oh, that yeah. was pretty. Yeah. clear I think still it's overall the question what the light is I don't think that they were talking about extinguishing the afterlife they must have been thinking about extinguishing the essence of life of all life you know that might be a little too grand and epic it's probably not easily rationally explained but I think essentially that was the point that they were getting Absolutely. at but in terms of a more interesting theory as far as where everything came from Sam says or was it Sandstone or Samstone says that he thinks that uh, it's like 2001 where the mysterious monolith brought civilization to the planet. So this island and its original power came from outer space, basically. It makes perfect sense to him. What do you think? Well, where are the monkeys? <laughs> where are the monkeys on the island? You're right. <laughs> there weren't any monkeys on the island. So <laughs> there's one flaw in your theory there, Sam. But I'm excited that he's excited about it. And again, it sort of shows the creativity of our listeners. Next up, we hear from Kyle, Tony, and Jack. Hi, this is Kyle from Palm Desert, California. Hey, um, I had an idea concerning several different things. Number one, I kind of think that in the end, as everybody finally got their, I don't know, vision or whatever you'd call it, uh, where they saw their their life on the island and what happened, I kind of feel like it goes back to the whole constant thing. Um, You see, each person was trying to be each other's constant, but it seemed like in only one situation would they remember everything? And I kind of feel like that goes back to the whole uh, Daniel Faraday and having a constant uh, idea with uh, with Desmond. The second thing I was thinking, um, well, and going back to the first, I, I don't really know the implications of that in the ending, but I really did feel like you had to wait for each individual to find their constant before they got that vision. Anyway, I don't know, just an idea. Hey, uh, guys, this is uh, Tony from uh, Chicago. The last show was fantastic. Uh, I was a little disappointed in not finding out all the answers, and I've been hearing all kinds of strange theories that everything's been a dream, but I was devastated seeing Jack die, which is, which is Vince, and I was hoping Kate would stay with him, but Kate, you know, redeemed herself by uh, getting rid of the 
the man in lock. And I'm glad that Kate finally got redemption after all the hate she's been getting for years. Because she was actually my favorite character from the very beginning. After she saw Jack, I just thought she was a fantastic person. Anyways, thank you very much, and mahalo. Aloha, Ryan Jim. This is Jack from Madison, Wisconsin. After kind of further digesting what happened on the uh, series finale of Lost, I kind of have one question. It's kind of a big question, but it might just be like uh, revealed in the deleted scenes. How did Ben get out of the tree? We did see Sora trying to do like a, uh, um, a like a pry out of it, but we didn't see it happen, so I don't really kind of believe that. But uh, anyway, did anyone else see the hurly bird in the caves, like the weird big stalactites or stalagmites? I don't know. Um, I saw something uh, fly like in the distance, and that might be the hurly bird. But anyway, that might just be uh, me seeing things from you know all the tears in the eyes. Uh, anyway, I just want to say that I love your podcast, and wow. Thanks for those calls. Well, Kyle kind of reminding us of the whole constant thing, and that maybe that's what we were seeing going on in the Flash sideways. I'd forgotten about the whole constant thing. And so I guess Kate was Jack's constant, and maybe Jin's constant was the unborn baby on the screen. Yeah. But uh, I thought Desmond woke up more than one person. He woke up uh, Locke when he hit him with the car. And he also beat Ben up in the parking lot. Right. So I guess can one person be more than one person's constant would be the key if you're going to go down that path. Tony's just chiming in as a Kate fan that Kate's finally redeemed herself and we've certainly been hard on her character over the years or at least how her character has been handled but I think we've been very effusive in this episode in particular and at the latter half of this season she's definitely come around yeah I agree and finally Jack says uh, well what how did Ben get out from under that tree it seemed like an insurmountable problem and then it just vanishes I don't yeah, know yeah good a point good, I guess that's going to be on the deleted scenes on the DVDs they just couldn't get around to it we'll see and no I don't think we saw the hurly bird that's certainly wishful thinking but what about the hurly bird there's another unanswered question yeah where did that go but I do like that the hurly bird did say hurly and so that kind of gave everyone very early on the sense that hurly was special or mm-hmm. important to the island well who ended up watching the That's island true. I still like that well next up Sean Stephen and Richie hi Ryan and Jan this is uh, Sean from uh, Los Angeles um, and I'm calling in regards to the finale, which was a beautiful episode and uh, a beautiful way to bring our characters to an end. Um, but overall, I felt that it was a disappointing conclusion to the mythology of the island. And that's for a number of reasons. But uh, that's my main point in calling. I feel like they didn't tie up all the, the loose ends they could have, and there were Maybe they will in some of the DVD extras. Maybe they won't. But I've enjoyed the experience, and I've enjoyed having you guys uh, share it with me. And I appreciated your podcast, so thank you very much. And um, also, they did vindicate me in my theory about uh, being connected to Lost Horizon, because there's no doubt in my mind that the plots are so close together. It's just a variation on the story. Uh if we're curious about going into it more, I, the season really uh, finalized that for me, and I can explain it in more detail. Uh, hope you guys are well, and take care. Aloha. Namaste. Bye. Hi, Ryan and Jim. This is Stephen from Maine. First-time caller, long-time listener. I just, first and foremost, want to thank you for the podcast and uh, just help aiding in connecting so many people and their passion for the show. Um, I love the series. I love listening. And I just have to say that, you know, it's a bittersweet ending, and 
I'm going to miss the show. Um, I just have to say, uh, there's so much to say about this the final season that, and the finale that I just can't wrap it all up. But I do want to say that I find myself, especially the main theme of being science and faith, that out of all the questions that were brought up and that were not answered, that I, uh, I think that's like the science side of us, that we want to have all the answers. But then now in retrospect, if I keep thinking about the finale, the faith side of me comes in and says, you know, like, whatever happened, happened. Um, it was a great ride. Take things at face value and just appreciate them. Um, so, again, thank you very much. Mahalo. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Richie in Missouri. I kind of took some processing before I was able to, uh, before I came to like the finale as much as I do now, I, because initially I got a little on the uncertainty of questions that were still out there. But after listening to your podcast, the one you did immediately after the episode, I was able to appreciate the finale for being really as beautiful as it is. And I really have come to be grateful that all the answers weren't spoon-fed to us uh, because now there'll be a topic of, of debate and thought for a long time. I know the finale created a lot of tears and sadness at the thought of this experience coming to an end, but the thing that gets me emotional is the realization of how this show and this total lost experience was really able to bring so many people together. This show, and keeping up with it, a show that activated my mind so much, has been a really rewarding experience for me, and that whole experience was made better because of the transmission and the dedication and passion that you guys put into it. You have my most sincere thanks. Mahalo. Mahalo for those calls, and you have our most sincere thanks for participating mm -hmm. in our show. Well, Sean was kind of frustrated by all the loose ends, not alone there. He kind of raises the possibility that the DVD extras will have more for us. I guess it's, it's fair to point out that they've said that there's at least 20 minutes of the finale that didn't make it, so that should be on the mm. DVD set. Yeah. And uh, it was announced by Michael Emerson on G4's Attack of the Show that if you buy the complete series on DVD, you are also going to get what is basically an epilogue. When we had discussed how how great it would see to be to see Ben and Hurley on the island. That that's pretty much what they're going to give us. So that's great. I can't yes, wait to see that. I mean, there's some stuff that they've held out that's frustrating but encouraging at the same time. He points out Lost Horizon. I wasn't familiar with that, but certainly with the end of Lost, a lot of people are tying parallels to other stories now that they've seen the complete picture. Obviously, a lot of comparisons to Stephen King. Um, Frank from Pennsylvania made a really good case about it being like Big Fish, which was also a story about grand storytelling. And and still the importance of human connections and the people that were in your life. So right. I kind of like all of those parallels that we've been thinking about throughout the show. Stephen from Maine says that, okay, well, it's my science side that wants all the answers, but I think that the faith side comes in and he's at peace. I think yeah, it's the whole left the brain, place. right brain thing again. Yeah, and I think our right brain is, we're letting our right brain win, at, at least in this case. And finally, Richie, with what I thought was a good closing thought for the Lost Line, which was, of course, the finale was beautiful and that the answers weren't given to us, but but in the end, it was all about us, the it's, conversations, yeah. you know, coming together on a podcast, on blogs, on forums. And certainly that 
to me is the lasting legacy of the show and something that I hope everyone will help pay tribute to in our final podcast. Well, obviously, we got a lot more calls on the last line, and we're thankful for all of it, but we did want to move on to the emails and blog comments, and I'll, I'll have to say that it was in those venues where the contrast between those satisfied by the end and those that were frustrated by it was much more pronounced. So we're basically going to have a conversation here in the voice of our <laughs> listeners. First up. Boobat says, first of all, the best way I could describe my reaction to the finale to a friend was to say that I felt like Ralphie on A Christmas Story after I unscrambled my first secret message with my long-awaited little orphan Annie decoder. So uh, drink more Ovaltine was her <laughs> final message for last. I, I, I'm sorry that she was frustrated, but I love the way that she put that there. However, John writes, pulling off a finale is a very difficult feat, but I'm very satisfied. Of course, there are some questions unanswered, but they brought the stories of the characters to a conclusion very nicely. I'm amazed that they simultaneously pulled off a suspenseful adventure story ending on island and a very deep and emotional ending in the flash sideways. It was a beautifully done finale. The ending of Lost has been bittersweet for all of us, but they hit that same bittersweet note to perfect pitch. Matt from North Dakota writes, Everyone keeps saying the show is about the characters, while the producer said years ago that the island is basically one of the characters. I even remember them referring it to as a 15th cast member back when there were 14 main cast members. So we didn't get much resolution to that character. Here's what I would have preferred. Have season 6 focus solely on the island action. No off-island stuff and leave out all the alternate reality purgatory stuff. This would have left more time for answers to old mysteries and have the show end exactly how it did on island. This would have been a billion times better than what we got. For the people who love the finale, are you okay with a crap load of things they never answered and plots that were dropped? And Pete from Rockford answers, yeah, I am okay with that. Enough information was given for me to construct my own theories as to the reasons for the numbers or the purpose of Room 23 or why Walt is special or any number of other questions. Are those theories in line with what the creators think? Who knows? But they satisfy me. Carl writes, I love that there is still debate and that it's not 100% clear as to what happened. I admit I don't love the ending, but when I think of it as an epilogue, it makes it sit better. And my heart was pounding throughout the whole episode and I really enjoyed it. All the moments they showed tonight made me realize that the journey was 100% worth it. Tall writes, the finale was a huge emotional success. I cried, but I'm sorry to admit it was also an intellectual failure. When our emotions die over time, will we still be debating significant storyline questions that no one ever intended to answer? Plot puzzles that made no sense? I'll remember the excellent acting, beautiful scenery, and the promise of a huge payoff at the end that would help make some kind of sense to me. It was a wild and fun journey, but it's pretty obvious there was never supposed to be a destination, just a stopping point. And that makes it very easy for me to move on past the island, just like Jack. Cool piece counters. How can we truly say that the show was an intellectual failure when more than anything else out there, it made us made many of us research and read, exchange and debate issues far beyond what you would have possibly dreamed at the start of this lost journey. Like a few have mentioned, if only they had spent so much time on school as they spent on Lost, exploring various philosophies, theologies, and sciences, we in Lost fandom have come out of this experience more knowing about certain subjects than when we entered it. 
Else writes, the finale was okay. It would have been a good season finale, but not a series finale. I needed more answers, more closure than what was offered. Putting everyone in a lit room, hugging and smiling at the end feels good, but answers absolutely nothing. If I wanted to feel good, I would have gone to a James Taylor concert and saved the six years of trouble. <laughs> There's too much missing, too much left open, too much unexplained for someone who went through the trouble of crafting such an awesome, intricate, crazy, and fantastic storyline to begin with. Giving this thing a little bit more of a tight, polished ending would have elevated and validated the roller coaster ride that you put us through all these years. Aaron from Connecticut writes, I thought it was beautiful and fitting. It gave us closure without giving us every answer on a plate. We know some of the characters got off on the Ajira plane, but they left it up to our imaginations as to what happened after that. It was an ending that fit the show, and that's what we all could have asked for. As much as some people are going to be upset about the lack of answers, if the finale suddenly made things easy on us and our brains, and it wouldn't be the show that we all fell in love with. I loved it. John in Little Rock writes, For a long time, I thought the story was a science fiction head trip, like Philip K. Dick or The Matrix, but in the end, it revealed itself as a Christian allegory a la C.S. Lewis. We can't say that they didn't give us clues. As emotionally powerful as the ending was, it disappointed me. All the time in seasons two through five that was spent on science fiction tropes like time travel seems now like misdirection and stalling. I would have preferred a final season that answered mysteries and allowed Jack's sacrificial death to be a subtle Christ allegory, not one that gets hammered home by having everyone walk into heaven. Russell and Rally writes, I think a lot of the frustration being expressed about the ending is based upon the assumption that Lost had a purely religious, non-scientific ending and that the flash sideways was purgatory. I think like all things in life and Lost, it could be viewed as either scientific or religious. Christian Shepherd said it was a place they made so they could find each other. Maybe that means it was a spiritual purgatory, but it could also be an alternative reality anomaly that they physically created by detonating the bomb back in 1977. Once they became a aware of the other timeline, they could leave the paradox if they wanted to. Remember, although the gateway where our losties congregated at the end of the flash sideways was at a church, that was also the same church that Dharma called the lamppost due to the unique properties of its location. So I consider the flash sideways to be just as intentionally ambiguous as whether the light at the heart of the island was divine magic or an incredible magnetic force. I think the point Lost was trying to make is that it is what it is, and whether we perceive it through the language of science or religion is ultimately just semantics. Nate at the House of Annie writes, the show is something like the Space Mountain ride at Disneyland. The ride is inside a darkened dome. It jerks you around when you least expect it, and just when you think you've got it figured out, it throws you a curve. You start to wonder when the ride will end, even though you know it will, and eventually you get off and step back out into the light. Did you have fun or not? Well, sure, at least I did, but would it have been more fun if all the lights were turned on inside Space Mountain? No way. Lost is something like that. You try to figure out the rules, make sense of the twists and turns so you know what to expect, but if you do that too much, then the ride is a lot less fun. You don't have to read The Silmarillion in order to be satisfied with the resolution of Return of the King, though I am sure a whole generation of people are now released to create their own Lost fanfiction about the island's origin and function. Paul in Appleton, Wisconsin writes, I'm happy and satisfied with the ending on a couple of levels, but deeply dismayed and disappointed on one key level. In a nutshell, on the spiritual and moral level, very satisfied. On the action adventure and drama level, satisfied. But on the relationships, the how do these people's lives on earth work out level, I'm dismayed, disappointed, and unfulfilled. 
Here's why. There were so many key romantic relationship arcs in the show. Out of all of these relationships, what happens in real life by show's end? Jack and Kate? Jack is dead. Sawyer and Kate break up. Sawyer and Juliet? Juliet is dead. Charlie and Claire? Charlie is dead. Jin and Son are both dead, and so on. Rose and Bernard and Desmond and Penny are the two I can think of that live happily ever after. I counted 12 relationships and only two work out in life. I understand the afterlife is infinitely more important, but still, this was terribly disappointing. Well, perhaps an answer and perhaps not our final comment from Ed in Elwood City, Pennsylvania. I feel compelled to tell you how much the series finale of Lost meant to me. Two years ago, I was diagnosed with spinal cord cancer, and over the past six months, my health has deteriorated. I'm 30 years old, I walk with a cane, and I'm in pain every minute. There is nothing worse than knowing that when you wake up, that's as good as you're going to feel all day. If there is one image that will forever stay with me, it has to be John Locke and Benjamin Linus meeting outside the church. I can see so much of my future in their brief encounter. And the most empowering statement was watching John throw his wheelchair behind him and to paraphrase, break free the surly bonds of earth and walk in the heavens. To watch this broken, beaten, wounded man forgive those that have wronged him and offer the closure that was being sought after is perhaps the greatest gift that one person can give another. You're here. So, yes, you know, some people were disappointed. Some people loved it. Yes, it can be disappointing that relationships didn't work out in life, but I also think that for some people, the afterlife is definitely enough. You know, that's really what matters. And, you know, we were trying to break it down. Is it left brain, right brain, science versus faith? Someone mentioned that it was, you know, where you are in your life, where sometimes the deeper message of the finale of Lost means a lot more to you than anything that the show ever gave you. But Mm -hmm. I like that there is this passion. I love that we had this conversation, and I'm very grateful for everybody to share, and we tried to cram as much as we could here into this episode of The Transmission. But before we wrap up, you all, everybody, I did want to share one last Lost Line call. In the world of podcasting, you always remember your first, and that was you guys. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Jorge. Calling from Hawaii for four more days. And uh, I just want to say thanks. The podcast has been awesome. I was elated when you guys came back. And, um, you know, I've always appreciated you guys. And the spying. (laughs) And everything else. It was fun trying to hear people trying to figure out what the plot was based on what, what reports you're getting back. And, um... That's it, really. I just, I just wanted to, you know, send thanks to you guys one last time, and thanks for, you know, keeping the flame burning on this show. It's been awesome. It has indeed been awesome. Thanks, Jorge. Thanks, Jorge. Seriously, I mean, talk about coming full circle. I mean, one of the very first calls on the Lost Line years ago was from him. Completely blew our mind. We were giddy as schoolgirls and uh, really energized, and that certainly helped to keep us going. And here he is, despite on the verge of leaving these beautiful islands. Actually, he left today, Mm -hmm. and we're very sad, but still taking the time to kind of remember all that has come before. I I do think that we should thank him, you know, and to all... Thank the you, cast Jorge. and crew of Lost for 
creating the show, a wonderful show that we've all loved and came together and had great conversations about. I mean, uh, it's just been awesome from being able to go to lunch with him and Daniel Day Kim Mm -hmm. way back when to just bumping into Michael Emerson, as we described, on the very last day of filming. They've all been awesome, very great, very friendly, wonderful members of the community and all around uh, definitely a class act. He's a very sweet guy. Absolutely. So thank you. And of course, thank you. And that's you all, everybody, as well for all all of your calls and your comments and emails. You know, we have barely scratched the surface of everything that has come in and however you felt about the finale. Again, I love that we were so moved and so provoked to talk so much about it because that really has been what all of this is about. Provided you all, everybody, are game, the conversation doesn't have to end quite yet. We've got at least one more podcast in mind on Lost, Mm -hmm. and we'll probably talk about the whole of season six on that show. That's our traditional season in review. And since we're probably all still adjusting to returning to the real world, (laughs) we'll take a couple weeks to collect your thoughts and hours, and we'll probably release that show on June 6th. Then for our final transmission, we will take one last step back and reflect on the whole of Lost. Yes, the entire show, but everything else surrounding it will make our own flash sideways, basically, and hopefully share our last thoughts on what it all meant and what we loved most and didn't love and, I don't know, what the show has meant to all of us. So provided you've got stories and thoughts to share, we're going to aim for a June 20th release for that final transmission. Of course, the Lost conversation will probably never end, so we invite you to check in on the blog where from time to time we'll post some suggested topics we've received like for instance hashing out those pesky unanswered questions (laughs) and also tributes to our favorite characters we'll also let you know about some of the other rewatches blogs and forums out there where fans will be getting together we've also set up a page on facebook where if you like us you can connect with other listeners and fans please come by and introduce yourself you can put some faces to the names that you've heard on our show you can click over to the discussions tab where everyone else is kind of deciding what they want to talk about you can do that at facebook.com slash lostcast and even though the transmission podcast will eventually end we're not going anywhere and we'd love to stay in touch with everybody you can always email us you can catch us on twitter or facebook and hopefully soon if we get our act together you'll be able to catch us over at popspotting.net that's right but for now remember we still want your feedback on season six as a whole so please come by and share your thoughts on the blog at whatyup.com slash lost you can email us at lost at whatyup.com or you can call and leave a message on the lost line at 815-310-0808 Well, to close out this transmission, as they say, now for something completely different. Now, we featured a lot of Lost-inspired music, but nothing quite like this. It's a hip-hop song that's been blowing up online called I'll Never Be Lost Again. The group is called the Injustice League, and they're Robert and Adam. They're members of a group called Wasted Wine, and they usually do some folk music. But we wanted to thank them for allowing us to share their song with you here. They made the song as a tribute to Season 6, and they released it just before the end and really if you haven't heard it or actually seen the great video that goes with it you should definitely check it out we'll have the link on our blog at hoyup.com lost but the song is a lot of fun it still tugs at the heartstrings so we hope you like it enjoy everybody stay lost Aloha. Aloha. Yo, dog. man you realize we've been watching this show for six years six years man it's crazy man word to christian shepherd Sometimes I feel like drinking myself to death just thinking about the end. I mean, 
feeling like miles. Like I'm looking back on like the show's final moments. Seeing its, its last thoughts, dreams, uh -huh. slips away. Yeah. I don't know what to do, man. Yeah. Figure we just gotta gotta do this track for all the lost fans out there. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So uh let's go. I remember sitting at my girl's house Wednesday night, that's the show Watching as that plane crashed back in 2004 Now we ain't together though People seem to come and go But lost you like my constant Sounds a little strange, I know But as I grow and change A lot of things come on that TV screen Other shows don't matter though The island isn't done with me Damn, even thinking about the end It's got your boy depressed Lost, I'm gonna miss you Got those numbers tatted on my chest Pretend I don't care, man, I'm not like Sawyer Lost in the show, oh no, I'm not your typical voyeur Charlie Pace understands how I'm feeling I'm sick, addicted, stranded, alone Crashed out like Richard Ship. I want a Faraday back to September 22 We missed the clucks deluxe and watch Jack save the crew Y'all out there watching Lost, you know I feel your brother All those people lost, hey, man, we call them the others Yeah, we that day Day finally comes and that screen goes black I feel like lost ain't over man we gotta go back And when it's finally done nothing else can fill in that gap Come on that lost ain't over man we gotta go back It's so strange I think back and let time extend Season 6 and I just can't believe it's the end It's just a show but it feels like losing a friend Life goes on but I'll never be lost again Yo's the man in blacks rolling with the polar bears Martin Kimi strapped in hair, I swear I saw Walt standing there Something seems quite wrong with Claire, voices floating, best beware Open up that hatch and hide cause Ben is poisoning the Am air. I a man of faith or science? Lock convinced me to believe Now like son I need some gin, this Dharma beer is hella weak Better yet McCutcheon whiskey, Charles Whitmore he agrees Hide my eyes from the CGI as the monster splits the trees Magnetism hit that button hieroglyphs It's something how I keep on coming Back again, but you know I can't even stay away They got me trapped like I stole Rousseau's Now when that day finally comes And that screen goes black I'll be like lost, ain't over Man, we gotta go back And when it's finally done Nothing else can fill in that gap Come on now, lost, ain't over Man, we gotta go back It's so strange Back and let time extend Season 6 And I just can't believe it's the end It's just a show But it feels like losing a friend Life goes on But I'll never be lost again Sadder than watching Hurley cry. And just remember, 
they can move the island, but never its place in my heart. Trust me on this. Now in the shadow of the statues where I always wanna lie, I just chill in Dharmaville and rest beneath the island sky. Sail with Lapidus to the lighthouse, spin the wheel of candidates, kneel by the graves of fallen loved ones, Shannon Boone and Juliet. So just as God loved Jacob and Hurley loved Libby, like Kate only loved herself, and yeah, Desmond loved Penny, just like Sawyer loved Juliet, but had to let it go. Man, that's sort of how I feel when I think about the show. Son of a bitch. Now when that day finally comes and that screen goes black, I'll be like lost, ain't over, man, we gotta go back. And when it's finally done, nothing else can fill in that gap. Come on now, lost, ain't over, man, we gotta go back. It's so strange, I think back and let time extend. Season six, and I just can't believe it's the end. It's just a show, but it feels like losing a friend. Life goes on, but I'll never be lost again. This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.